Next-gen upgrades. And we don't forget Suicide Squad this week. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saul Bridges for Lucky Episode 175. Is that right? That sounds right. We're going to roll with it. 175. Sure um, if you tuned in last week and wondered why we cold opened with... This just goes to show you the process behind making the show. We do the cold opening in real time, then cut to intro in real time, and then go back to doing the show. Um, I was distracted by something Saul and I were doing and trying to move on, and it is my fault. I completely skipped... The, uh, it's both of our faults. The, I should have paid attention. <laughs> but naturally, we ended up skipping on accident the Superman news. So we'll, we'll talk see. a little bit more about it this week because there's actually more news to be had alongside it. But we're still going to start the show off the right way. And that is very simple. Saul, so what have you been playing this week? I've I know played, one of them. I've only played one of them. Well, I mean, technically I've played two. I played a little bit of Destiny 2. I played like three hours of it, four hours of it last night. Um, so not much Destiny 2. Um but I started Ghost of Tsushima on Sunday, and I, did, I haven't played it every day. I've played it like two to three hours about three days this week, because I played a little bit of it on Friday. No, I didn't. I didn't play any video games on Friday. I played a little bit of on Thursday, Wednesday, and Sunday, I think. Okay. Or maybe it was Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, or something. Like, I, I've been... I, I don't know what's going on, but like I... Have the drive to play video games, but I, now in my mind, it's like I could take a couple of days off. I don't have to pressure myself to play no, games. No, you definitely don't have to. And that's I think, how I used to think. Like, I need to play something. Yeah. I think one of the things you'll run into with Ghost is it's a little bit of a slow start. I don't think it's actually a bad thing at all. I don't. Maybe. I, guess. I shouldn't say slow start. Like, literally, the first mission is bombastic, and that's a good thing. Yeah. But then after that, it's kind of like a now we rebuild, which is a little slower. Yeah. And honestly, like, so far, the story, everything in this game is done really, really well. I just inherently in me, I don't like any kind of trope of, oh, no, now we got to recruit friends to restart. Like, Oblivion did that. I was not a fan of that in Oblivion. There are games that I like it. I liked it in Greedfall a lot because See, it made point. more sense in Greedfall. It wasn't so much of a, hey, we're going out to try and group people together so much. It was like, hey, you're going out and helping people. And if you start to help them then they'll come back and help you at points in the game. Yeah, and also and very similar. That makes to, sense like yeah. Ghost. Ghost Ghost the story for the why you're doing this is perfect sense. Mm-hmm. You're you, and I'm not going to get expound on it too much because the game is still relatively new. Um but it really really makes sense on who you're seeking out and why you're seeking them out. Yeah. Um and I like that. I like I like a lot about the game. And I dislike very, very little. And there's not even dislike, so it's too, uh, even super strong of a word. I have these little quirks yeah. with the game, and that's kind of one of them. Another thing that, that kind of gets me, too, is that there's been once or twice that, like, the controls of this game are kind of hard to get down, or they're kind of hard to get used to. Um, mainly because you finally get used to the base controls, and then you learn these new abilities and stuff, and you want to use those, and then now you're throwing in these extra buttons to something you're already still kind of just gotten used to. And the control scheme for this game is kind of different, and not in a bad way, but it is it is very kind of odd in terms of everything you do, like R2 being your action button uh, in, for everything. Um, That's actually one of the few complaints I have for the game, is, uh, and it happens across, there's very little you can do 
outside of literally, like we've talked about in the past, building a controller that has two new dedicated buttons that every game can use, and if they choose not to use them, then they become programmable buttons. Yeah. That's the only way that you would actually be able to help this, because part of the problem of that game is context sensitivity. It's what it's called. Red Dead Redemption 2 had it as well, where too many things are mapped to that button, and, and they're they're things that you would do relatively commonly. Yeah. So you end up like you know when I was playing one day, this is really not anything other than I was taking over a fort, so it's not like spoilery. But I was trying to change combat stances, and I happened to be right beside a watcha, which is like a big arrow volley thing. Mm-hmm. And because the interact button for everything is R two, most of the time the game is smart enough that if you're in combat, it knows you're not trying to pick something up, yeah. so it doesn't do that. But because the watcha is available as a combat item, uh-huh. I went to pick it up when I was trying to change to the right stance I needed to fight the enemy that was literally right there. So I picked it up and he hit me because I was stuck in that animation. It didn't happen very often, but yeah, context sensitivity is a huge problem. I don't... I, I, it's cool in one way, but I don't necessarily love it in another, and it's the patrols of Mongols. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're, they're on a weird spawning system because I this is kind of in relation to what the controls. I hopped off my horse... And the, they're not being a lock-on for this game. It's really cumbersome to get used to. Um, you're constantly having to move your analog stick. And there are times in which I, Jin is looking off camera, and he's looking at the enemy that's going to be charging him next. And, I, and it takes my brain a second to realize that. It's like, why am I – I'm walking this way, but I'm looking this way. And I'm like, there's an enemy over here I don't see because it's off screen. So then I spin my camera over there. And I ended up dying in that encounter because there was four or five of them. And I wasn't dodging arrows like I should have been. And I respawned not too far away from there. And I went to go back over there to do it again. And they're gone. And I was like, ah, so they have these weird kind of patrols. And the patrol's now gone. But then, of course, it, it, it's still there, but it's just down the road a little bit. Or it's further along. Yeah, um, essentially, if you die from a situation, as long as it's not an actual fort, it's like, ah, you died there. It was just a random encounter, so it's fine. And yeah. we're just going to not put them there. That way you can go on because it tries to spawn you relatively closely to where you were. That way you're not being like pushed back a whole yeah. lot. Um, it does a really good job of that, too. One of the things that you said there that I think comes into, again, another small quibble with the game. It's a very small one. But there's a couple of times in the game where the game actually finally pulls the camera back. And you're like, why isn't? The camera always like this, or why isn't there the ability that like Final Fantasy VII Remake did to where you have three even default camera positions that we can go to? Because I felt like the same thing was true of Final Fantasy VII when I first started the demo. Oh, absolutely. And that it's way too close to you. But once you move out to the third, it's like it maybe could have been out a hair more, but I was happy with it. In this game, every now and then you'll be in an area where the camera pulls back because you're in like a crevice or something where it doesn't Mm -hmm. need to suck in. And you're like, oh, this is really nice. I kind of wish the camera was always around here yeah. like you know and um, that's and to me that would actually be the biggest solving i would totally be happy with a lock-on but i actually kind of think i know why they did it without it you feel more in control of combat and it feels more honest and true and like you have to be more careful when you don't have a lock-on because and you can also a little bit more easily switch between people and since this is not trying to be a kingdom hearts action rpg or something like that that's super fast moving instead a lot of it is unless you're doing a specialty move. A lot of it really is just normal swordsmanship. I like the idea of no lock-on. Well, they could have put in the game something like Focus or something, like where the camera specifically, like there may not be like an actual icon that that shows that they're selected, but it could could be that Jin is now focused on that enemy. I get what you mean. But I honestly just think pulling the camera out is enough to honestly assuage most of the problems that 
the no lock on actually causes. Yeah. Because like you're talking about the the idea of an enemy being off screen is fine. That can happen no matter what camera range uh-huh. you do. But the thing is, is that it happens very often in that, even when very they're close often. to you, because your field of view is super tight. Yeah, and the archers are what really gets you because you'll hear them. They'll they'll do a, a mm-hmm. visual or a vocal cue. Yeah, and which is cool. You'll dodge. Yeah, but then you'll dodge and you'll dodge. Like this happened to me the other day. I dodged close to my screen and got stabbed by a spear because there's a guy off screen. I'm like, oh, okay. Like there's. You know, I'm having a fantastic time with it there, and this is just I'm gonna have quirks with every single game I play, so this yeah. is just me getting into those. Um, but yeah, like I plan on playing that more either tonight or tomorrow. Um, I think I'm slowly devolving into a patient gamer. <laughs> like I'm, I have no urge to like buy games as they come out right now. Like the, the next game that I can see that happening would probably be Cyberpunk. Yeah, and the main reasoning behind that is because. <clears throat> That falls into a work schedule for us where we get like a five or a four day weekend for holidays. Yeah, for where it moved to because November, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like November nineteenth or sixteenth now. So yeah. it falls into one of our things really well. And even then, I'm not gonna get it day one. I'm gonna get it the last day we work, um, and that'll give me four days solid to play straight through it or play the majority of it, which I kind of wanted to do for Ghost. Um, I won't be taking a vacation though till around November, December, anyways. So I'm not. I didn't want to wait that long to play Ghost. Um, but yeah, what have you been playing this week? Mine have been pretty much I platinum Ghost of Tsushima. Went through and finally got that and beat it, which was really good. Great game. Um, That's two platinums in two weeks. Two platinums. Yep. And then I went on kind of a I won't say a break, but because that was leading into. Thursday, I think, was the last day I played it. And then Friday, I did music all day. Yesterday, I did a bunch of, again, my music class I'm taking. So I've had things to pull me out of gaming that were just other things I've agreed to do for this month, which has been fine. I moved my old truck up here in the back concrete slab as my father moved. So yesterday, after I did like literally four or five hours of my music production stuff, I was slightly behind on. I went out and worked on it for a couple of hours, and then me and Hannah went on a date. Then I watched Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, too, because I love that movie. But Man, speaking of movies watching, can I throw one in there? I watched a movie for the first time uh, yesterday called Eyes Wide Shut. Is that the Tom Cruise movie? Yeah, dude, you got to watch that movie. I've heard it's really interesting. That movie is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. uh, Joe recommended me to watch it, and it's, it's becoming one of my family sta- uh, Stanley Kubrick films. Yeah, I got you. But anyway, I haven't been playing too much. What I did do today, but literally right before I started news, because I told you I woke up slow this morning and wasn't doing much of anything. At like almost 1 o'clock, or 12.30 rather, uh, I had sat down and started the Medieval remake. So that's my next goal, is to do the Medieval remake and kind of go through it. It's a slower game, smaller game, only 8 hours. Platinuming it, if I do want to platinum it, takes... You know, like two and a half playthroughs or something for considering the way that the game's set up. So we'll see. I, I, I saw it earlier. That's so cool. If anybody hasn't seen it, there are some uh, deep, fakes. deep fakes of Spider-Man PS4 where they put in all of the actors from Sam Raimi's uh, 2001-2 Spider-Man movie. Um, 2002, I think. I think you're right. But either way... Um, yeah, that's about it. I have some plans of what I want to start, and there's some games that we're going to probably do a spoiler chat on that is not a new game, but it's a game I've talked about before and loved, so I'm going to be replaying it uh, for us to do that with me and Chris. So, What game is that? I won't say out loud, but I'll tell you later. Actually, I'll do it right now. Look. I didn't hear a word you just said. Okay. I'm pretty sure that picked up on the mic. 
butthole. Anyway, um, see, I've, I've actually toyed with. Um, speaking of that, I've toyed with something. It's kind of a conflict of the channel. So I don't know how it'll ever work, but I like writing. I want to write, and like I actually started doing this with Ghost. I have a notebook, and I write it down pros and cons of the game that I like, and I like I write down cool little things I see and stuff like that. I want to start doing retrospectives that are like thirty minute long of, of just a free form talking about a game that conflicts so hard with impressions, though. No, unless it. It, unless it went to you and Chris for impressions, and then went to me for those That's because fine. then it kind of comes into this weird thing of like, well, you're going to hear me talk about impressions for one thing but see that's the thing i don't know if my elgato works i I, yeah. I need to see if my hard drive is what caused my elgato problem which i don't think it did that doesn't make sense probably in, in not. a way because it's streaming from well, all my games are digital it's streaming my my somewhat messed up hard drive games to my pc I bet you that's how it was messed up. It might have been. I'm going to try it at some yeah, point. Try it. But I got to get a new microphone, obviously, or something. Not crazy at all. Uh, one of the things that Chris and I were talking about is him starting to do like video essays for games on the channel sometimes. For, uh, and then I've, I've got ideas of things I want to do as well. So that would be a good way to kind of extend our video stuff. So if you're interested in seeing that, tell Saul to finally do something. <laughs> I guess. Well, I guess retrospective, kind of like what retrospective would be, like a video game essay. I guess. Yes, that's. I mean, but Chris's are going to be a little bit more long form, I and mean, some of them are going to be retrospective on like series and stuff. But even then, there's no clash. I mean, you just, yeah. we know who's doing what. He wants to do some of his on his own channel. Mine so could still out. just be Saul plays a Dark Souls retrospective or something. Yeah, or sure. Ocarina of Time retrospective or something. Because there's all these old games that I want to talk about. And typically, like whenever I played Dark Souls three on my Let's Play stuff, you kind of saw me talk about Dark Souls and stuff like that, and and my op- opinion about that. But I I would rather that be an actual video. Yeah. And for me to voice over a game and get B footage would be easy. For me to write it, it, writing something like that is nothing for me. Also, the same reason that Chris wants to do it. He's a writer. Yeah. And, <laughs> Working actively on a book right now. Chris so. Chris probably knows how easy it is to, to jot down a structure and then to just fill that structure with thoughts. He also knows how you start to go and read that structure and you're like, okay, I, this is where I start editing the script because you, I, I see things I can say better. I can I could describe things easier this way. Yeah. And it's kind of like what I did <clears throat> with um, a couple of things I worked on in the past. You You start to read it out loud. And it's like the uh, the Dark Souls. Uh, I wrote an article for the Dark Souls series, yeah. and I can't, it's kind of like one of those things. Like I wrote it out, and I was like, that that took me thirty minutes to write out. And I'm like, let me go through now and read it out loud. And then as I was reading out loud, I'm like, grammar check there or grammar fix there. Let me say this instead to flesh this opinion out. And you you start reading into it, and you're like, this is how you proofread. Yeah, I actually do like, and I wrote like four articles that were in relation to the main topics of the episodes at the time when we, whenever I was doing that. I like writing, and I actually think I'm fairly good at it, but it's just not something I'm incredibly passionate about. So See, I, it's I, something that I find it hard to make time with all the other stuff that I have going on. But that's not a bad idea. So What else is not a bad idea? Let's get into the news. Well, let's or get into community. the community stage. Me and you both make that mistake a lot. It's easy to do. Uh, anyway, headed over to the community state question. The most recent one was in relation to last Thursday. I guess actually 
the, the last most recent state of play and whether or not you feel like Sony have finally found their footing with the format or if this is something you'd like to still or if there's still something rather that you would like to see change with that format which is kind of like a recheck on the pulse of this because this is something we did a little earlier in uh, I think it might even have been the last state of play or the one prior I think with it still being a series or a format that's not found universal love which it never will it's interesting to me to just see what people like. My big thing was this was clearly a big change. Yeah. This was kind of like, hey, you know how we've had a bunch of state of plays where we just go through trailers and then in between we have talking about as we move to each game, but then maybe the last big game, be it Ghost of Tsushima's gameplay or The Last of Us gameplay, we have someone doing talking over it. This one was kind of like, what if we do every reveal having the developers kind of talking through it? So it was a big change for them, and I was curious how that landed with some people, because just like E3 showed us, you have this group of people who really like the shut up, don't talk, just let me see these things back to back to back to back. And that does that worked well for Sony. But then you do have a group of people who like hearing the developer kind of talk through and explain what people are seeing since you're only seeing a small segment anyway. It gives you a better idea of where the game might go. It gives you a better idea of what you might like about the game. A good example is The Pathless, that game that had the bow. Mm -hmm. If you were looking at it and you didn't have the commentary that was mentioning how the bow worked, you may wonder, like, well, are they aiming? Is there? Am I missing something? Is the UI missing? If you Instead, think, he gets to tell you. If you think about it, we go back to our reaction to a death stranding game gameplay <clears throat> where he was walking around and me and you were talking about how that game works mm -hmm. like was the uh oh i can't think of the name of it now the device on your back i can't remember what it's called either the, actually yeah the flasher but we were like I, I wonder if you use one analog stick to aim that then you use another analog stick to move and then the camera's automatic and it's like sure we didn't get that information at all well even something as simple as the very first death stranding gameplay reveal do you you know you're seeing him walk across the mountain and in the time you're like so it's just walking but then when you play the game something both of us have mentioned multiple times is that it's a hard game to show without commentary because if you can't say like you know part of the challenge here is choosing how to it's kind of like a puzzle game within an action adventure game because yeah. you have to figure out how to best stack things up if you're into that great if you're not but you still want to experience the game the game has the ability to pre-organize for you what's best one thing then from there it's like you have to hold l2 and r2 and that's it sounds weird but the balance mechanic if that would have been discussed at that first gameplay thing like as you see here our, our character's walking trying to deliver this package he's carrying an extra large load and it's really heavy so he has to make sure he's able to maintain balance so he doesn't damage the goods yeah it would be it could have stood to bore some people but i think it would have made me be like okay there's a reason to show him walking yeah it does one of my favorite video game tropes and that is you're going to set out for something prep well and it's like the forest. It's like, hey, we're going to go to this cave. Okay, let me make sure I have my meats dried in my inventory. I got flashlight batteries. I got all this stuff. That was the same way. It was like, let me make sure I have everything I need. All my packages are packed correctly. I have all my my weapons and my ammo. I have my uh, battery on my car fueled up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of one of those things that were my trike. And it's kind of like, let me make it this way. And then getting there is the fun part, too, because it's it's not just a straight line. It is, I have to go over this part of the mountain easier. Or if there's BTs in this area, so I want to avoid that. Mm -hmm. So then I climb this way. Oh, look, somebody's left a rope over here, but that's all they left. Why'd they do that? And then it's just, it's a fun experience. That'll be a game I want to do a retrospective on. I actually have been meaning, very quick side topic, Something I found out is that after using my iPhone for the three-ish months I've had it, two-ish months, uh, yeah, I've learned that I think I like Apple's UI better, but I like all of Google's companion apps more. 
So what I did the other night was I loaded Google Assistant on my phone, Google Keep, Google Play, or not Google Play, Google. Um, I just look. It's, I, I essentially loaded it down with all of my main Google apps, Google Home, Google Translate, Google Assistant, Google Keep. Um, I loaded it all down and I started using those as all my main apps for that in a sense. And I like the camera and then the actual iOS stuff more so for now, you know, that could change or it could just be a breath of fresh air. But, um, and I've been keeping a Google keep document full of stuff that I'm kind of editing on. All so. right, cool. Well, moving in, you know, with that in mind over on Facebook, Mr. Chris figs, as we were talking about him says, I think the problem with state of play is building expectations. They should just be small showcases every once in a while. And then the big ones get hyped up. And in relation to that, Mr. Chad Van Horn, one of our longtime friends and listeners, he says with the last one, they did pretty well saying upfront what to expect out of it, which I agree. Uh, in the same exact vein, our good boy Liam, he says, I'm fine with it. I like that they and Nintendo comment beforehand of what to expect, but fan bases don't know how to read and get pissed that The Last of Us Kingdom Hearts Sunshine Prime Deluxe isn't announced. And that's true. I think that no matter what, there's going to be people pissed off because they want to be pissed off. And I think that I, I agree with all three of these lovely gentlemen that... They, the fact that they temper expectations the best they can yeah. works well for them. I think it was really smart to, at the initial announcement of State of Play, the new one, immediately say, do not expect much from PS5. And yeah. then literally right before it goes live, a few hours before, here is the information again. This is where you can find it. But once again, do not expect information on PS5, and we're going to go even more in-depth. You will get PS5 games here and there, but you will not get price. You will not get hardware. You will not get release date. That's a really smart way of showcasing what's going to be. And I know that that still technically does leave the opening of the, well, there could still be a big PS5 announcement, but they said no big PS5 announcements. What we got was touchstones on things that we already know about. Godfall. Mm -hmm. Touchstones on the Pathless, which I think is already a game that was announced, but we hadn't really seen anything of it. We got yeah. to see Bugsnacks in action. Those are great things, and I'm glad we got to see that. Then we saw some cross-gen, but it is true. One of the things that Chad said in relation to that, again, was he feels like giving a day or two heads up would make it more exciting. You'd see a lot less fake leaks and wild expectations post. And I do agree with that, but then Chris comes back with something I think. this is the this It really shows the tightrope line that you have to walk. And how in this situation, you're never going to be able to fully make one side totally happy. The best you can try and do is find the sweet spot to where, for the most part, everybody's okay with it. And Chris says he doesn't even mind the fact that there are people making wild expectations. It's fun. I just think managing those expectations by not giving people time to marinate on the fact that there's going to be a show at all That's, is the problem. It's very. I agree with Chris. It, it very much fits into the Nintendo culture of directs, like where <clears throat> not only are the contents of direct being quote-unquote leaked but their directs themselves are being quote-unquote leaked it's like hey guys there's gonna be a direct august 16th it's like who are you well and and it's fun i like as we all know with that's that's happened on the sony side too with people being like don't say how i can't tell you how i know but there's gonna be a state of play next thursday last of us is gonna be there and then oh no it just got delayed and you know we see that that was a lie but it's one of those things it's like i like lee culture lee culture is fun it is when when it comes to stuff like that when it comes to serious stuff though it's not when it comes to game content leaks or like, movie content leaks. Like we talked about, there's the fun side of everything. Yeah. And then there's and the game really announcements bad are side. fun because you'll Assassin's Creed seven is coming out. Yeah. Where's five and six? On his Don't own though, Chad Van Horn over on Facebook says, I really enjoyed the recent one. They told us up front what kind of things to expect. I was really surprised seeing Genshin Impact and Tim Tim in there. I was too. Tim Tim more show than Genshin. 
I because that no console manufacturer has really done much to showcase Tim Tim. I was wondering if it was just going to kind of be a silent release when I thought the smart thing to do with Tim Tim is for both Xbox and PlayStation to kind of be like, have you always wanted to play a Pokemon like game on our system? Here you go. Bang. Uh, Because very few games are made in that genre. There's a couple. Of course, you have things like the Digimon games that have been going on, but that is definitely a good one. Uh, He says he got into the Genshin Impact beta and had a lot of fun with it, with it being free to play. It's even more exciting. I didn't know Genshin Impact was free to play. That's interesting. Uh, let's see. Let's go throw one in off of our Discord. One of our patrons, Mr. Josh Ayer, says, I think the last three have been good. The Last of Us, Ghost, and now the most recent have all had the devs talking about their games themselves. I think we will see that happen going forward. And that brings us to one of those stark contrast standpoints of where, again, you're kind of in a thing where people like different things. Ray Rod over on Twitter says, I like the format with just game after game after game. Bam, wham, thank you, ma'am. Not all of these hosts talking and interviews to waste time. I like that for the most part. Um, but I like... So there's a time and a place for both that and then commentary. I think that the announcements of the game, at first of all, should be announced that way. Like, wham, bam, get them all out. But then you've seen them. Now you're curious. Then the next showing of them should be commentated. I, I kind of agree with that. And since most of what we got to see in that last day to play were, were things that we already knew about, then all the commentating really makes sense. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it actually, and it flows well too. Cause that, that state of play was amazing. Um, it's actually funny because our, uh, our good buddy, Craig Stoltz on Twitter says, dang, I missed the event. Did I miss any announcements? Yes, sir. Yes, you did. So here's one of those things where it's a good, start contrasting to what we were just talking about where we both feel like the latest state of play was at bare minimum just good one of the more different ones mr josh shoop one of our good friends and longtime listeners who says i'm going to be real and say absolutely no i thought the last day to play was very dull i fell asleep about halfway through it and even after i woke up i decided i had no interest in watching the rest of it I thought he was going to say that i fell asleep again i'm like sir that's just a poor sleep schedule <laughs> so Here's the thing. Like I said, you're never going to be, make, be able to make everyone happy. But Josh technically using you as an example, at least from all the responses that we got, it's interesting seeing that at least right now, I think that this is the most universal praise we've gotten or the most leaning towards the idea of enjoying them that we've gotten out of these. Most of them have been a little bit more stilted with roughly half and half liking them and the other ones still feeling that they're missing something. So I want to say that regardless of exactly where we are with the state of play, I wouldn't be surprised to see them being more like they currently are because it seems like this has been the best hit of them so far. Uh, and with that in mind, another one over here, Mr. Danny Candyman Villalobos, one of our patrons, he says, very happy with the state of play. Pretty surprised to see it was longer than 20 minutes, good variety, and games of games that were shown off and would like to see them keep doing it like this in the future. So it kind of goes to show you where the differences are. I'm going to throw one last one in here. It's going to be from Mr. Snow Jedi, one of our patrons, and it's very simple. I'm enjoying them. <laughs> And I just like that because to me, that kind of goes to show the more everyday gamer who's like, you know what? Yeah. This is gaming news. It doesn't always have to be perfect. It doesn't always have to be the most exciting thing in the world. I enjoyed getting to look at some new stuff that will be coming. So thank you all for the, for the feedback on them. Had a lot of time. Thank you all. A lot of good times. 
reading these and seeing the conversations that start from them, which is something I really like. I like when people respond to other people's and kind of go off and say their pieces. It's really fun to see. So with that in mind, we are going to hop into the news. And the first thing we're going to cover since we kind of fell to last week is that, of course, Rocksteady have announced their new game. It is Suicide Squad. And ironically enough, with all of the rumors that have been going around saying that Rocksteady was working on a Superman game, and it seems like at one point in time that was likely true. It's funny to me that they choose to showcase this and do the first tease with a picture of Superman with crosshairs on his head. So that's Last ironic. Last week's thumbnail. Yeah. So from then, uh, you know, what we do know now is that it seems like the reveal event is going to be 20 minutes for its official reveal as seen. And you can still see at least as I last check on the scheduling portion of the DC fandom site, officially titled Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. That's apparently the game's title. The page says that Will Arnett is hosting the reveal, which is kind of fun because I don't know if very many of you know, but he was the voice of Batman through the Lego series take on the character. So it seems like it's kind of just a little heritage back throw. Uh, I th- there are people that do not like Will Arnett, though. So I don't mind Will Arnett. I don't like him as Batman. I, I think his Batman was fine. It's just clearly meant to be a really stupid, well, jokey Batman. I'll say it this way. I don't think it's like if Batman Gotham Knights was his was it was was him the voice. Yeah, no, no, no way. I wouldn't have liked that. Me either. So speaking of that, alongside Rocksteady's new reveal, it appears we will also be getting the reveal of WB Montreal's continuation of Batman gaming titles, with Batman Gotham Knights being revealed during the same DC Fandom event. Is what it looks like. That's not surprising considering we've had it teased for years at this point and leaks at random times saying that they were coming. I'm not surprised that we're finally going to get it. And there were people I saw in relation to this saying, if we didn't see it at this event, I was going to give up all hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I, also, I'm curious to how this game starts with the ending of the last one. I am too. Especially, well, and that's a problem I have with that game. To get the true ending of that game was tedious. It was. So I just watched it on YouTube. And the irony of that is it's very similar to get the true ending of, um, what's it, uh, Shadows of War. Shadow of War. Oh, Middle yeah. Earth Shadow of War. It's very similar. You have to do all this extra stuff just to be able to go through and see this final cut scene. I'll watch it on YouTube. Yeah. And I don't blame people for doing that. It's it's fine. It gives somebody who wants to go through, but the internet's kind of ruined that. Because, like, you know, used to back in the day with Kingdom Hearts games when it was like, hey, go through 100% the whole game, or if you're on Proud Mode, 99% the game or whatever it was, and we're going to show you a secret movie for the next game. Which everybody, that was fun on PS2. Everybody thought was Kingdom Hearts 3 was really Birth by Sleep. I mean, technically it was Kingdom Hearts third entry. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Actually, it really wasn't, because if you think about it, the Chain of Memories. Th- 358 over 2 happened before that. Oh, wait. Chain of Memories happened between 1 and 2. Well, no, but I'm saying, like... D- it was one Chain of Memories two, right? Mm-hmm. In release order, so and then three fifty eight over two. two, and then the PS two remake of Chain of Memories, and then Birth by Sleep. Kingdom Hearts two is really Kingdom Hearts three, and then Recoded. There was a bunch of, you know, Weird. staggered yeah. Kingdom Hearts releases, and that's why the series often gets kind of crapped on. I mean, hey, it is what it is. But next thing up, despite internet drama and supposed boycotting, The Last of Us two has gone on to become Sony's third best selling game in U.S. history. Only behind Spider-Man and God of War, both of which have been out significantly longer. So congratulations to Naughty Dog. The cool thing is this comes alongside the first big update for the game that adds grounded mode and permadeath. If you remember, 
I saw someone get upset that Grounded Mode wasn't in the game at launch. And no who, plays on, fine. who plays on Grounded Mode at launch, though? Oh, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody who wanted to. But more importantly, Grounded Mode did not exist in The Last of Us until the PS4 re-release. Yeah. So for anybody thinking that that was like some always day one thing for the series, it's not like they forgot to put something in. I get the argument that once you've added it, it becomes an expectation. But clearly, even like... Kingdom Hearts did not come with critical mode, even though it had been introduced in Kingdom Hearts 2's remaster. That's true. So um, these things coming after is no problem. It also adds permadeath to where if you die, you lose your save, which is fun for people that just like that added element for a survival horror. Yeah. Um, Granite mode is no joke in Last of Us. It's very hard. It is no joke. Yeah. Okay, next up, Call of Duty 2020 continues to elude fans with more cryptic teases toward the game. The locked boxes that were opened on Monday, like we talked about last week, contained an old projector from the 1950s alongside some slides and more to continue the ARG alternate reality game surrounding uh, augmented reality game, not alternate. My bad. Uh, determining exactly what the new game will be. From there, many steps have been taken to allow players to discover hints inside of Warzone with coordinates that led you to an area in the game with what looks to be more hints releasing each day for the next few days. This is really cool because what happens is once you find the stuff and you go through and look, there's like a piece of paper that has some stuff blacked out and it says day one and then what you found and marked out and then it says day two but it doesn't show the other half. This is going to sound wild, but Call of Duty has always been one of the best series at Easter eggs. Specifically yeah. Treyarch, the yeah. whole stuff they had with the zombie series and how what you had to do in very specific orders to unlock stuff was ridiculous. Well, and when you think about this, right, I'm not the hugest Call of Duty fan, but when you have a long-running series that's expected with normal releases, but then you also have this very Fortnite, Apex, continually playing seasons thing that everybody can hop into you can use that too for a lot of fun so you know the slide showed like numbers that then you could find on the sides of buildings in the war zone map and you could go into those buildings and find information that's cool it just adds an extra layer of like hey we have this one thing that's ongoing that all fans are kind of seemingly pulled to but what we can do for the most part is we can show the next game so the people who are really excited about the Treyarch games can go in and look further into this and I also just think this kind of ties into what we were talking about with like the Death Stranding reveal where it went on a little too long but it's kind of like the mystery of it all is really fun and then you yeah. see games like Cloverfield any ARG that's popular is fun yeah. the Cloverfield ARG was incredibly fun yeah and that's been in so many things music has had it with like Nine Inch Nails Year Zero album had an ARG that was around for it it's common to see it and i think it's really fun it's i think eventually it can get to where it tires people and like i just want to know what the new thing is and just tell me what it is but i think for other people it's fun following it down like you know you always talk about the from software thing where it's like what is it what are we going to see next we saw shadows die twice but we don't know what that even means yeah it's a fun series to follow yeah I mean, who knows? We'll, I'm sure that we'll lo know about it soon. I am a little surprised that it's been a whole week since the initial opening of the box and we still don't know it. I only say that because that kind of restraint from a big publisher like Activision is surprising. Seeing that from someone like From Software or someone who's a little bit more of an it's indie developer. Almost expected. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Uh, next up. We got an Entertainment Weekly exclusive interview with the creative directors of Spider-Man Miles Morales that went in-depth about the length, scope, and scale of the game, considering it often 
Considering that it's often compared to Uncharted Lost Legacy, the directors say, quote, we really are completing this hero's coming of age in our game. It is a complete story, end quote. With the game taking place one year after the events of the first game and set in winter, they explain that while Peter's origin story is born out of tragedy, as everybody knows, because it's been beaten into our head a number of times, Miles' origin is born, quote, out of family with an energy corporation and a criminal organization serving to disrupt his home life. While the game is a more refined experience, it will not be reusing the 2018 game's moves and animations. With Miles being his own Spider-Man, this means he will have all new moves, all new animations, and all new power sets that are exclusive to him and unique to him and his take on the character. The interview also was accompanied by a new screenshot of the game showing off the game's ray tracing support with a ray traced reflection in a puddle on the street. And to to me, when I first saw it, I just laughed because Puddlegate 2018, yeah. this is clearly them just kind of going and being like, you didn't get what you wanted out of the puddles last time? Well, guess what? I'm excited for this game. It, I like Miles as a Spider-Man. I do, too. I really like where they're going with it. The, Spider-Man's a good character. Just one true Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one thing about that I know will never happen. But I always, I really wish that if they would have chosen to do a Miles Morales game, and of course, since they introduced Miles in the 2018 game, it, it would was have been never going to happen. The Spider Verse game, dude, a game with that visual style would be. Sick. It would be pretty good, especially the soundtrack for that movie, because that movie soundtrack was also also a banger. Ten out of ten. Yeah, um, very good. The only thing I hope with this game, I just really hope, I just hope it's shorter. And here's here's. I think it will be. Is kind of naturally what happens here is it's going to be a more focused story. I think all of what we talked about now that they don't have to prove themselves on yeah, exploration. Like our main complaints with the original game. See, honestly, what I would be cool with the more that I look back on it is that if the original Spider-Man game for PS4 that came out two years ago, I think if that game was about seven to ten hours shorter, and that featured a more expansive end game that was optional, like you could still explore the city. But here's where you get the really cool suits that you could use to then go take down these new, uh, like uh, the bad guy forts and stuff like that. And there's hidden bosses in the end game. That would have been really cool because there wouldn't have been a pressure to do all of that. Like there was a pressure in a sense to finish up the story. They kind of just had issues with the pacing. Something we've talked about. I get what you mean. I think if you cut out, you know, the big problem like we talked about is this idea of like in between things of the game stopping you and being like, hey, for the next 10 minutes, go swing around and do stuff. And we're going to say, hey, go check up on what it means to be Spider-Man. And I know this is against, so it might be a problem exclusive to us. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure this is. is against a lot of open world game design. And even though I don't think it's nearly as invasive in uh, Ghost of Tsushima, because Ghost of Tsushima doesn't constantly remind you to go check on the other inhabitants of Tsushima. Exactly. It just lets you do what you want to yeah. do. It's like, hey, if you want to play the game, mission to mission to mission, you can you, do you it. You can do it. Or if there's a fox that runs out in front of you, you could go do that. Yeah. And the big difference there's between freedom. that is that idea of we all know. And it's actually exactly how I feel about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Like I talked about, the game's constantly kind of like, oh, we know you want to go do this next big thing, but we want you to play our side missions too. So go yeah. do that. It's like, I can do that when everything's said and done. Why? Like, you know, uh, there should, you should not be having side missions that are going to be uh, pertinent to how the end of my game shows up. Unless it's something like we talked about in RPGs, where if you choose to help them before the end of the game, they then, may show up at the end yeah. as, as support. Otherwise I can still go do the mission. And that just, I don't get that cutscene. That's fine. I don't want people to get the wrong assumption to think we hate the original Spider-Man game. I love the original Spider-Man game. It's a great you? game. Yeah. It's just, there's glaring issues with the game. That we just we talked about, and you know, there's it's the same thing with Horizon. I loved Horizon. I platinum the game. I would have platinum the game if I didn't love it. The day I platinum the game, I played it for twelve hours straight, just yeah. sitting there. But that doesn't stop that the fact that there is issues with mocap 
or not mocap exactly, but issues with facial animations, issues with. Actually, I think that was the main complaint. There it was just it was kind of a janky game in some areas. The, yeah. The the facial animation, some of the animations in general, the game was kind of janky. Other than that, it was a great game. Yeah. So, but I think the thing about Spider Man, right? When I think about this, Insomniac, a developer who had one lesser known, sadly, and I'm wrong. I don't just love the game, but I understand the love for it. The only open world game they had ever made at this oh, point was Sunset, Sunset Overdrive. Overdrive. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, Brian Intihar, the guy who is one of the directors here, I think he was heavily involved in Sunset. But the thing is, is that you have the, and I'd almost be curious if the same problems persisted in Sunset, but it's also a way less serious take. So I don't think it would matter the same way. I've always wanted to play that game because the game looks fun. It's it, it was like okay. Pass. It was I'm okay. Not well. That's why Game Pass is cool. It's like, I'm not going to buy that game, but I'll sure as hell play it for free. It, yeah. I may go back to it and try it again. I didn't care for it much the first time I played it, but... This is their first big, high-profile, clearly everybody's super excited for open-world game from a studio that has made primarily linear games. We saw the same thing happen with Horizon, where you have a studio that has always made first-person shooters suddenly going to an action-adventure RPG set in an open world. And what naturally happens is there's a few times where in Horizon I was kind of like, eh, this is clearly growing pains of them coming into a genre, and I don't even count it as huge points against the game. They are still counted against the game, but they're easier to overlook because you have that thing of this is their period of transitioning into unknown waters for them. Yeah. And I see that as a very similar thing with un- with um, Insomniac and Spider-Man. It'd be a little different if like Spider-Man had come to Sucker Punch. And then that same thing was true because Sucker Punch have spent the you know Infamous One, Infamous Two, the expansion for Infamous Two, Second Son, the expansion for Second Son. If we saw them move into this after having so many open worlds under their belt and they had made the same mistake as far as I'm concerned with pacing, I'd find it a lot harder to forgive it. But in a game like this, I look at it and go, this is someone who's trying to be like, hey, we made an open world and we're trying to prove to you it's interesting. That means that between missions that... I think maybe wrongfully they thought weren't that impactful. It's like, well, go out and just be Spider-Man and, and try out our open world and play these things. Either way, I think that naturally in this Kemen game, because it's going to end up being a smaller, more honed-in, refined story that's a little bit tighter around a singular character, and even if we get segment, you know, even if we see Peter in the game, I have a strong feeling that this game will not do what the first game did and having you play as peter but in a situation where you're not playing as spider-man like where you're just walking around as peter boringly uh, kind of like they do with mary jane that's what i mean the, yeah. i don't think you're gonna have to play as mary jane in this game so i think Please a lot no. of the problems that existed pacing wise and i get why they tried to do it but i think a lot of those problems are naturally going to go away and then the game is going to be a little shorter anyway because it's not trying to incorporate these two other characters and get you set up to who mary jane is and what what yeah. she's like and who miles is without a backstory exposition constantly well, it's kind of the upside right like this game doesn't need to touch on and i'm not going to spoil it, but this game doesn't need to touch on much about miles because yeah. some of miles and honestly some of the most important things about miles have already been brushed on in 2018. Yeah. So now you get to do the same thing that that game was trying to do and kind of eschewing, worrying about too much of Peter's origin story. Now you can do that same thing where we're seeing Miles, not in literally as this stuff happens to him, but we're seeing him because that was already given to us. Now in this game, we get to go through. Miles has been doing this for a year. He's kind of learning the the Has it not been longer? Well, that's what they said. The game takes one place after the events of the, the one year after the events of 2018. Dang, he looks older in the trailer compared to the game, right? Yeah, I think he's a teenager. Have I you ever guess, seen I a teenager jump up from like you see him one year, the next year you're like, this is a grown ass man. 
also better graphics might just be a that's true too, they may yeah. have the slight aging effect on accident yeah you know what i mean or de-aging more, more i've detail. seen that i've seen like you know everybody in oblivion looks old because like the, everybody <laughs> in oblivion looks old even if or they, they look, look ridiculously smooth. Sm- smooth yeah yeah and then they just look like an old baby it's like that John Mulaney joke where it's like, what are you doing, giant baby? Yeah. You can't keep burning the candle at both ends. Okay, next thing up in the news, though. After stepping down from the role of creative director in light of allegations, Ubisoft has fired Ashraf Ismail, I think that's how you say his name, creative director behind AC4 Origins and most of the upcoming Valhalla. After investigations seemingly showed some truth to the allegations, uh, one of the big things, and I think the reason he ultimately was fired, is he was using his position within the company to meet with fans and start relationships with them. And I think that they view that as an abuse of power, you know, and I think that's reasonable. And if you look at this, there was also some concern that a lot of the negative things that we've been getting about Ubisoft lately seem to have come from potentially him talking to people and saying things of that. Like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was a story about how in um, Odyssey and actually in Origins as well, in Origins, they wanted you to have the ability to choose which of the two, whether you wanted to be the male or the female. And then they just had it to where your Bayek and his wife is in the game, but you can't play as her. Yeah. But originally, they apparently wanted it to be that you chose. And then in Odyssey, they wanted it to be that Cassandra was the main protagonist. But then Ubisoft forced them to put it into where, at bare minimum, they had to at least give you the option to choose a male character with Alexio. And then they chose Alexio as the marketing fodder for everything. Every bit of marketing was evolving him. Like, you know, the Alexa commercials they had going around for it. So when you have all that information coming out and really not doing a good thing for Ubisoft, if there's anything that they can find where that information got out because of him as a part of him abusing his power, right. then you have a lot of reasons to find catastrophic. The here now this goes back to what we're talking about, right? The light side of every dark side. One of the only Assassin's Creed games that I have just genuinely enjoyed was Assassin's Creed Origins. <laughs> so it's unfortunate because it means he won't be involved with anything. I'm not saying that it's not the right thing to do and that he's not, you know, a, a, a rough human for his choices here. Uh, but it goes, again, sometimes you can separate the art from the artist. And this is a good example of he made a great game with a great team. And sadly, that may not be the case again. I don't know if I've ever been able to properly do that. Separate art from the artist? Yeah. It got, can be hard. I, I don't blame when people say it. But, you know, I mean, thing is, is most prolific artists... Are, are at least on some level messed up people. Yeah. It, it's a really, I mean, you know. But see, that's the thing, right, is but you don't know that until something comes out. Exactly. Well, I mean, and it's weird, right? Should you feel guilty for really liking R. Kelly's song just because R. Kelly apparently came out to be a kind of bad person? No, he can. Here's, here's the thing. Regardless of what kind of person he is, he still has a beautiful voice. It's the light of his dark side. It doesn't mean that you have to overlook it. If, it's, if you can't overlook it, that's fine. But... The, the crazy thing is, is that really crazy people and terrible people can sometimes make really great art. And I, I choose to view the art as the lighter side of who they are, like the more positive side of all the other stuff going on within them, sadly. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Next thing up is despite lower sales, Capcom have stated that Resident Evil 3's remake was in line with sales expectations following the trend the original PS1 release did after Resident Evil 2. 
That's not surprising for anybody who knows much about Resident Evil 3 on PS1. It was made reusing a ton of the assets from Resident Evil 2, and it was made very quickly. And that's also true of this remake. Most of this remake reused assets from Resident Evil 2's remake and went on. And despite having lower sales numbers, it does make sense that they had lower projections and the game would have been so cheap to make due to reused assets that the profits are probably fine. This is a little disappointing for me personally in a very weird way. And I'm curious as you, how you are, Saul, because this sounds like kind of a crazy thing to say, but I was kind of hoping because it's been stated for a while that Resident Evil 3 did not sell nearly as good as 2's remake. Yeah. I was hoping that these the dip in sales would convince Capcom that they need to slow down with their yearly release of Resident yeah, Evil games. It, is, it hasn't, obviously. And clearly Capcom is like, no, we knew this was coming. So here's Resident Evil 8 this year and probably very likely Resident Evil 4 remake. You know what I mean? Resident but, Evil 8 probably early also next year. game too, right? Is, uh, oh, well, I guess um, the one that came with... Resident Evil 3. The, oh, it's actually out? Yeah. it came, horde mode or whatever it was? It was part of, and oh, I, I can't even remember that. what it's called right now, Resistance? I don't think Resident so. Evil Resistance, where it's a multiplayer mode? I don't think so. Either way, that's clearly, I just feel like Capcom has turned themselves around on a lot of their franchises. Well, it is Resident Evil Resistance. And they're worried right now it was bad. packaged in with Resident Evil 3. It's bad, man. As part of why they wanted to justify it being $60. That's so stupid. Yeah, but... Either way, I kind of really hoped that they'd wait a little bit longer. Like Resident Evil 8 is already clearly in the pipeline, but give more time and more effort and more energy to the Resident Evil 4 remake and let it hit in 2023 if, if Resident Evil 8 is supposed to be 2021. Give us a year between these games. It's easy to get burnt out on these things when you constantly have them. And again, the upside to it, it's something I wish that more director, more studios would do. Is if you're going to do yearly releases, you can at least follow Capcom's lead as well as some other leads like Forza being released every year, but one of them being Forza proper. Two different kinds of games. Yeah, but within the same franchise. And that's true of Resident Evil. You have Resident Evil 3 Remake, which is much more like a classic game. And then, and then you have Evil Resident 8. Evil 7 and 8, which are first person. Yeah. You can do it that way, and that's what I really hope that, like, even going back to, like, EA and their decision to give Need for Speed back to Criterion, I personally would have really loved them to instead do it to where it's like, hey, what we're going to do is every, even if it was every four years, I'm going to get a Ghost Games Need for Speed game. And then between that, Ghost will release a different game. I'm fine with that. Kind of Call of Duty the franchise. Exactly. Give me that setup to where the problem is, is like for me, Need for Speed, I won't care about any of the next ones coming up because I've never cared for a Criterion Need for Speed game. So instead, you chose a drastic decision. Either way, I'm just hoping that this... It's so easy to burn a franchise out. And at least there's been more effort made across the board <laughs> to try and minimize that on some of these yearly franchises. But speaking of EA, though, EA is changing the name of EA Access to EA Play. But state that the service will remain largely the same. With this, its annual press conference will be renamed to EA Play Live I wonder why this is happening. I don't know. It's always weird when companies rebrand something like this. Because it's like you already have years of a, of being known as one thing. And you know they had EA Access Pro or whatever it was called? Yeah. And now it's going to be called EA Play Pro. And it's not like it's being bought out by somebody else. It's just a name change. Yeah. I don't really get that. But what I wonder is if part of this change may be a slight increase in price, but also 
when you get it, you get it on every platform. Like maybe you pay instead of $5 a month, you pay $10 a month, but you get it on both PlayStation and Xbox. Whereas right now EA access, if you want it on both, you have to pay five on each, which it would ultimately be the same amount of money, but there's a perceived value that happens when you pay for something once, but get it across multiple things. Yeah. So, who knows? Uh, next thing up, Xbox Series X. This is one of the big ones. So we're in the last three here. Xbox Series X has been given a November release date alongside the big news, the delay of its launch title, Halo Infinite. No exact date or price has been given, but a leak of accessories seems to indicate November 6th as the date of release, which might push PlayStation to give a release month coming up soon, and we might be getting closer to them kind of finally duking it out as to who's going to give the release price first yeah um but it's kind of interesting because like people have pointed out like josh you know um accessories do tend to come out before the console so it's kind of weird to see like what exact release date we have if we have one yet um i'm sure a week ahead right about yeah at least uh, at least if not five or six days ahead um i would think that this is going to push microsoft to get a release date out to us in the next week probably and i think playstation will follow suit within about the month kind of like what you said and I think, I think that we're getting too late into the year to announce a, a early date without a price. I kind of agree. I think, and that's why is, I think that potentially by the end of this month we'll have a price and release date for both. There are people, um, there are people who cannot afford stuff, and they need to save up, and they may need to save up for four or five months, and they don't know what they're saving up for. So I think that we're getting very, very close. I guarantee. Okay, here's my here's my bold prediction. In the first two weeks of September, we'll have a price and release date for both of these consoles. I could see that. My latest was as we creep into September, we have to have yeah, it. Yeah, by two weeks into September, you have to have that kind of information out. So here's the big thing that kind of surprised me. The it Halo delay happened. me. The, the, the delay itself didn't surprise me. I actually will say that. The, the Halo delay happens, and then a couple of hours later, Microsoft suddenly gives a release month to the system. To me, that's accidentally, odd. right? No, it was a. It, well, they, that was in that was in response to the controllers. I thought. Nope, that was completely it, it, separate. They happened in sequential order. That is it was weird. Halo delay, and then that came out on Twitter as a big thing, and it was, and they announced it. Yeah, and three, then four, a few, and then a few, a little bit later, Microsoft did a big thing saying Halo has been pushed back, and Xbox comes out in November. That was like the headline. It's and weird. Then when you read the article, it says the system's going to be coming out in November, and here's still great reasons as to why you need it. I'm not saying that it was just oh, like the worst thing to do. It just seems. I, I almost think that it would have been better to do it reverse way. I think it would have been better to completely just say, hey, Xbox is coming out in November. I don't. Well, maybe not, actually. Because no, then yeah. it's like. Because then you have people who are like, okay, I can pre order. And then it, your main reason for it is gone. <laughs> That's true. But so I'm a little curious, completely without my opinion right now, how do you feel about the Halo delay and what it could mean for the Series X? I, I mean, I think, honestly, any kind of delay. You know, it's it's annoying in most cases, but it still is justified um, when there's evidence. And, and there's definite evidence of this game needing to be delayed. Um, and I think that it's just like every other game de- delay we've talked about, it's, you know, good on them for announcing it. They should have announced it earlier. I don't think that we should have seen the gameplay uh, that we saw. I think it should have been announced uh, a delayed before that, but it's too late for that. Um but yeah, as far as that goes, you did take out your big exclusive, and I think that um, I think that that's going to affect a lot of people. But I still think that there's going to be that core people there who are there for Games Pass too, and yep. they're still going to get it on launch. Um, it has definitely taken me out of getting it at launch. 
that was the only reason I was going to buy the console at launch. Because we don't know when we're getting Avowed. Now we don't know when we're getting Halo. There's no real point for me getting it launched. So instead, I'm going to use that money, that $600 I've kind of mentally put away for that and just upgrade my PC. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. So, um, Which is kind of in its own way the same thing as buying an Xbox. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean, it really is like with what I'm going to be able to do, I'll be able to run games at native uh 4K or native 2K. I'm only going for 2K, though. I'm going to run games at native 1440p at, at 200 plus hertz. And that's that's my goal. And with it's going to be more than $600. But <laughs> with that, that $600 is going to help dent in the budget. Actually, yeah. I, could, I could make it less. I could make it $600 less, but I want RGB RAM. <laughs> I want RGB uh, AIO Fashion. cooler. Or not AIO cooler. An RGB fan cooler. Like a, I'm going to get... Ryzen, but I'm not going to go with their normal stock cooler this time since I'm going to get the best chip they have that's $400. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then I'm going to go all out on like an R. Uh, I don't know for now because NVIDIA is about to announce some stuff, but right now I'm looking at a 2070 Super and they're like 400, 450. Yeah, there. their next set, which presumably may be the, what, 2090? Isn't that what they haven't hit yet? Uh, the 3000 series is what they'll be going for. Oh, okay. I don't think they'll do 2090. They might, but I think that they're just going to jump because you never saw. A ninety nine hundred? Did you? I don't think so. You just saw ninety seven and ninety eight. I think you're right. Or not not eighty nine seventy and nine eighty. I don't think you saw nine. And then we jumped up. Yeah. And then to 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 ten thirty, ten fifty, ten sixty. Yeah. Which is weird too, because you never saw one thousand or one thousand one or two. You started at ten thirty, and then you went ten thirty, ten fifty, ten sixty, ten seventy, ten eighty. I don't know how they naming conventions for tech across the board is one of the weirdest things. I wonder if it's kind of like CPUs, like an i five. This is a or an i an i nine ninety six hundred is it is an i nine ninth generation mm-hmm. chips. I don't know. It might be something like that. I don't know. I don't either. So going back to the Xbox thing for me, right? I think I am not much like you. I'm not surprised at all for the delay of Halo. Now here's one of the weird things in the Discord. We were kind of having some discussions around uh, Rude Days ninety three. One of our newer users uh, was talking about it, and he do- he brings up some good points, and then also some points that I think are easily overseeable. And like one of the good points is like, hey, Xbox still has what a lot of people like right now for PlayStation users in Final Fantasy seven being a year early exclusivity. Xbox has I don't know that it's day of release, but it's at least early in launch window. They have the medium as a presumably anywhere from six months to a year exclusive for console launch. So that is one big game that is clearly not capable to be run on old gen console. That would be a good reason to want to upgrade. It's also slightly a, a bit more of a niche genre with it being kind of a horror game. Yeah, but not entirely. So I still think it's a good show. Third party games, at least as we see right now, have a high chance of running even if incrementally a little bit better on Xbox. Yeah. So again, chalk up towards that. Then you have enhanced backwards compatibility across the board. So you do have reasons to go and upgrade day one, even if you just want to do a better job at playing your current catalog and then plus the medium. See, I'm not entirely too sure that core Xbox fans these days care about exclusives. If they did, they would have, they they would have a PS4 or they just don't care about our kind of exclusives. I I think that for them, Mm -hmm. Their exclusives is not an arguing point. It is a service standby point. It's, I got backwards compatibility that's enhanced. I get a powerful console, and I get Games Pass. And then the exclusives that they do get are just a cherry on top. Yeah, of because they're free if they yeah. have Games Pass. Exactly, um, yeah. 
And I, I think that if they cared about our kind of exclusives or even the exclusives that PlayStation offers, they'd have one too. And that's why I think that I like if they even if, if Xbox had a stronger service and stronger exclusive lineup, I would I've said it before, I would see people going to Xbox to have the most powerful console and then still owning a PS five PS five strictly being for exclusives. And then having a, a, a Xbox for your multi platform games, your backwards compatibility for last gen stuff and um, your games pass. That's, yeah, which, as we it, clearly talked about, that's not where all the money is at. Yeah. And the clearest, that, of course, that's why you have both Microsoft and Sony trying to get you to not only buy their system, but buy their system in a way where you were primarily use theirs. Yeah. Or at least use it often enough. Because here's the thing. If you can get in an ideal situation for Sony and Xbox, if the person who is playing your systems is also playing the other, the ideal situation there is that they're spending roughly half of their time and half of their money and half of their purchases on both systems. Yes. That's the most ideal situation you can get. The least ideal situation is that you're buying a PlayStation and only buying the exclusives or you're buying an Xbox and only paying for game pass once a month for, you know, or, you know, for one month, once to twice a year. Yeah. So that's essentially the same thing. And even then they're actually kind of technically making less money off of those months on Xbox. Cause the long haul goal for game pass is to get people on it and staying on it and spending money consistently throughout the year instead of on a pocket of games. Yeah. So when you view those things, I do kind of look at that and think about the back and forth. Clearly they're different ideas they're different systems and they want you to play on both of them. So neither of them want you to go that route of only using the other as a backup, though clearly people exist that will do that. Yeah, absolutely. So, they're like, and they're going to be people, just like I said, they're going to be people who buy, uh, who prefer PlayStation, who buy Xbox because, Hey, there may be friends that play sea of thieves that they want to play with. Exactly. And, and that's essentially million, why I own mine. There's a million different, uh, and the few backwards compatible enhanced games. Yeah. There's a million different reasons on like, or interchangeable reasons on why this yeah. can exist. But and coexist. going into the Halo thing, so right, Halo not being there is still not as big a hit as I think a lot of people are taking it up as. I'm not saying it's not a big hit because clearly it would have been a good showcase for the system. But you're also talking about a game that's releasing on PC, which I'm not even really trying to include in here so much as I'm thinking about the fact that Halo Infinite was also supposed to launch on Xbox One. So losing a game that already wasn't actually a full next-gen exclusive but PC as well is already weird because if you are an Xbox fan and Halo Infinite was the only thing you were excited for, and you happen to have an Xbox One, a One S, or a One X, you can still play the game. Uh, so it being gone is not some huge changer, but this goes back to another thing. So one of the things that people were talking about, and the biggest umbrage I took with the delay, is that they treated it as though the game needed a lot more work and COVID had slowed them down. And here's my thing. Either two things are true and exist, and they're both bad in their own right. It's either that they actually never thought the game needed to delay. And when they showcased it, they didn't expect to get feedback. the feedback they got. And because they got so much flack for it, they decided internally that they really needed to fix these things and have everything launched on day one. Because what happened after Halo got showed? We got word that ray tracing is not going to be in the game at launch. So that's a big hit about uh, against buying it on the Xbox Series X. Because it's like, why would I buy the Series X and then buy a game that can't even fully use it? All right, Then you have, of course, the side of people who are saying that Day, that day one multiplayer was not going to be in the game. Then Microsoft refuted that and said, no, it will be. But how do they know that if the game's not even ready? To get, you know what I mean? So and you keep going. There was all these different things that kept happening that were kind of like, oh, these are negative hits against the game. Then you have this, this other side where it's potentially that 
343 have known for a long time that the game needed to be delayed, but Microsoft had already promised this July game event. And they got set up in this thing where suddenly they've been talking to everybody and touting the July game event as being the Halo showcase. What happens if you suddenly say, we're delaying our big game and either don't put it in the showcase or put it in the showcase, but know that people can't play it at launch. Which one do you do? So it's either bad Microsoft marketing or it's just 343 and Microsoft both kind of lying about the fact that it's only being delayed because of the slowdown of COVID. I'm not saying COVID has not slowed the game down. It very well could have, but you would have already known that you were not going to be able to hit this November launch date by now. And you would have already known. You would have that known you before you showed that gameplay. And you wouldn't have chosen to show the gameplay under the auspices of the game still coming in November. Yeah. Clearly this is in regards to the fact that the game got a lot more crap than they thought it was going to get. Yeah. And that's the thing is that people, I had to Google her name because I forgot. But I've been reading that people, Halo fans on the Halo subreddit, have been calling for Bonnie Ross, the uh, president. She's a vice president of that, but she is the established head of 343 to, to resign. Because they have been talking about like how bad Halo 4's multiplayer was, but the campaign was good. And then it flip-flopped and how bad the campaign was for Halo 5, but the multiplayer was decent. And then now we have this where they're calling it Craig Gate <laughs> because <of> Craig <laughs> Craig's now delayed. And d- dude, people are mad about this, and it's been on a steady decline for a long while. And I also think it's important to say this, and this is one of those things, right? Twitter and some of these little weird bubbles of the internet are hard to judge because for as many people as I saw who were kind of being like, even even Xbox fans who were saying like, Halo does look a little rough, on personal my personal Facebook, a couple of the friends I have around town who are more Xbox driven were all like, the game doesn't necessarily look the greatest, but it looks like playing Halo 1 again, and this is exactly what I want, and everyone is excited. So... I, here's the thing. It does, but it just it just looks bad at the same time. It does, and the, the part of me, the part of me that hopes that this game did not get delayed just because of the high high chance that the most vocal part of the internet that was likely PlayStation and PC fans were blowing up the game and saying it needed to do better. I really hope that's not the only reason. I hope that there's also a ton of very legitimate feedback from people who are Halo fans and big Xbox fans who just wanted to see this game be better, and it was kind of an all-across-the-board. I know across the board I've seen some real Halo fans say, yes, it does look rough, but it does look fun. And maybe they're choosing to look at that and go, well, maybe we should launch a game that not only looks fun, but also looks great. Yeah. And I'm hoping that that's what it is. I hope this is not some weird thing where it's going in and saying, we'll oh. We'll know for sure when we we'll see gameplay of it again. Definitely. I think when we get the inevitable re-reveal, it will, it, it'll either be telling or it'll say that maybe the game did need to be delayed all along and there was not much they could have done to change that anyway. You know, it's like yeah. what the reason for the delay is going to impact the biggest change that you see. Yeah, Ultimately, true. if it's only because the game doesn't look very next gen, then they're going to make sure that the next showing that they do, it looks incredible and kind of assuages those concerns. If it's just that the game always needed to be delayed, then what we're probably going to see is more of the same, but with a new section of the map. And that's okay too. I'm not, look, it doesn't matter. I was never going to play halo infinite very likely. Anyway, I'm not the hugest halo fan. I don't really care to play them. I don't like the online. So my big hope is that for the people who really do like this and were intending to buy it, they're the reason it got delayed more so than just a bunch of people who were using it as fodder. And don't be wrong, I'm not saying it's not fair, but people who were using it as fodder who probably never intended to buy it 
and they're just saying it looks rough because I didn't intend to buy it, and I will say it looks rough, but not enough for me to care that it was good for it to be delayed. I'm a little biased, but I think my opinion regarding Halo goes a far long You're, way. <laughs> considering that before I ever knew you well, the one thing I knew about you is that you were killer at Halo and that you always played Halo. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I trust me. I know your opinion on it goes a lot longer than mine, and that's why I well, always say in general. <laughs> for me, I think I have to state that. I ultimately don't care about Halo in the same way as people do. So I hope my and opinion I, on it does not I did. massively affect the game. I did in 343. This was 343 Swan Song to bring me back. And it, they and said, it's not looking good. They said, you know what? Saul said he's not impressed with this gameplay showcase. We've got to delay this game. They heard me. They heard me this on a man, podcast. This man stuck a frag grenade with a sticky grenade back onto the person who threw the frag grenade. I got on the front page of Bungie.net for that. Yeah, back that when Bungie.net was actually running things well. Yeah, it was pretty cool, too. So either way, that's my thing there. But going back to something that you said, and then we can kind of roll off of this one. But one thing that you said for sure about the differences between the people that are going to do each of these things with these systems, right, is... A conversation with Blake earlier in our Discord for the movie podcast was very telling about one thing in particular. And it it kind of struck me suddenly where I was like, there are really... People don't think about it because you're so used to what you're into, right? So a lot of Xbox fans now are to a point where they're not looking for the traditional console manufacturer play of things. And the play people in the PlayStation realm, because PlayStation have exceeded well at doing the traditional console manufacturer slash publisher thing, are looking for them to still look and kind of evolve from the evolve in a way that feels natural and expected, but still of the traditional console manufacturer business. And it was down to a very simple rumor. And I don't even know that I believe it's super simple. It's some like PlayStation offered rockstar 750 million for 60 day exclusivity or something of, of a uh, grand theft auto six. I don't think, I don't necessarily know that's true. I don't, that's it, a lot of money yeah, for two months. Exactly. And then the question became almost immediately, that won't sell consoles. And then the conversation that we were having internally between me, Chris, and Blake was about what does exclusivity and timed exclusivity ultimately do, positive and negative? What does it do on getting people to buy a console versus not buying a console? I, I, and it was an in-depth discussion. And one thing that kind of finally hit me was, Blake is of the people who kind of, and I mean, it's partially just because of who Blake is, but I could see it being true across all Xbox fans. Okay, I shouldn't say all. I could see it being true about uh, of a ever-growing section of Xbox fans that what you said earlier, exclusives almost don't matter. Yeah. To the point where I actually have a feeling that if it came out and was said from Microsoft that, hey, we're moving into, we're still going to make, consoles but we're moving to where the majority of our business is on the publishing side and the storefront side much like you kind of saw steam do yeah uh, valve do with steam if they said that and then they were like starting tomorrow or starting two months from now uh, game pass is going to be on playstation and all of our exclusives are going to be on playstation i don't think they'd care in the same way as well if a playstation fan got told from playstation hey we're going to put all of our exclusives on xbox and the reason i say that is people because freak out when they go to pc the fans are looking for two different things and the idea of about exclusivities the core crux of the conversation was is sony giving that money to someone and this goes back to like the spider-man exclusivity in avengers right 
this was Sony leveraging something toward their favor. But we've also seen Sony with other things like Final Fantasy VII Remake leverage not only their relationship, but probably some form of money. Weird, too. Yeah. But some form of money on top of leveraging their relationship to get their their users of their console a game a year early. And then the question became like, that's not going to sell consoles. And it, I think it depends on who you're looking at. I think for PlayStation, it does sell consoles. Because for the people who are looking at going into PlayStation and who that would actually appeal to would be people who look at that as added value within your own ecosystem. And if you can go, hey, I can wait one year and I can play the game on Xbox or... I can go ahead and buy a PlayStation, buy that game that I've been excited for, play it, and then have the intention, the implication, if not the actual reality, that as a PlayStation consumer, as I keep going, I can expect... Hello? Yeah. This is creepy. (laughs) It's... I'm in the middle of something. I'm in the middle of something. I'll be out shortly. All right. Sorry, no, that's my contractor. (laughs) But anyway, with the conversation at hand, sorry about that, guys, if you're listening. Um, Definitely because I probably yelled on the mic. But going back to it, it was the idea, basically, that for the people who buy into a PlayStation, potentially from Xbox and buy a PlayStation, then they go, you know what? They, They may slowly become more of a PlayStation consumer because of the fact that they have this setup of essentially being thought of as as i own the system they're going to spend money or utilize their relationships to make my value within this ecosystem better because that's the truth exclusives or even timed exclusives only hurt half of the company like or half of the potential market share well if you're in the playstation ecosystem that doesn't kill you yeah and i have something to kind of round off this conversation pretty well in regard to this topic um richard in our discord he often teases me about having an iphone when it comes to him playing games on his phone, emulated games specifically, if I cared about emulated games, I wouldn't have an iPhone. I wouldn't have bought an iPhone. Yeah. So if I cared about exclusives, I wouldn't have bought an Xbox for that that reason. If I didn't care about exclusives, I wouldn't have bought a PS4. Yeah. It's You buy what you want. And I think people often forget that, weirdly enough. And that's why, like, you know, the difference between a phone is that it only makes sense to have one phone, realistically. It yeah, unless plenty- you're a drug dealer true but for the average person yeah. it only makes sense to have one primary phone that is yours but it's how many not phones do you got i have a work phone now for what, what is it legal work though yeah is it yeah okay i don't pay that phone bill <laughs> uh the hoes do <laughs> yeah yeah the hoes do but the thing is that it makes increasingly more sense to own more than one gaming system what's crazy too though is most phones are cost more than two gaming systems yes they do so that's also part of it price only yeah so moving through these next few ones uh the oh this is actually an interesting one i I put it in the wrong order but oh well after being mentioned by us for a few weeks now as a missing title developer munfish have finally revealed a new gameplay trailer for atomic heart alongside an announcement of the game's platforms now including ps5 and series x alongside ps4 and xbox one so that's cool you can actually see the gameplay in real time so at least one of the games that we've been hearkening to come back around and be shown is back around now we just need uh what was it witch hunt no Uh, witch fire witch fire yeah and there's some other ones, like I said, Why Project I Awakening. Like Witchfire is going to get canceled, isn't it? 
I don't know because I thought the same of Atomic Heart, but clearly it's here. Yeah, that's so, true. So, oh well. Uh, anyway, next-gen rumors continue to be unfounded and bouncing all over the place with a rumor coming to point this week regarding PS5 and its ability to hit native 4K at bare minimum, at least in regards to Resident Evil 8, but potentially in other games with the leaker stating people should expect to see, quote, fake 4K, referencing reconstruction technologies that are used for like 1X and PS4 now where they render at a lower res- resolution but have something that pumps them up to native 4K. I want to tell, tell you from experience, unless this weird SSD... The PS5 is going to have is going to help with that and in a tremendous way. You could spend three thousand dollars on a gaming PC and barely run 4K 60. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Um, so there's going to be assistant technologies there to help. Yeah. So anyway, with all this going in, in on, big AAA games because you can run an indie game or something like that, perfectly fine. But big AAA games, uh, which I'll actually talk about, Ghost going into the next section when we get there. But yeah, especially older games. Yeah, and I think the big thing about that in particular here is essentially be careful what you what you read. There's a bunch of stuff going on, and I feel bad for the guy who leaks because it's a, it's a catch-22, right? He's leaking. When you leak, you open yourself to the possibility of people not liking what you're leaking. And you also open yourself up to leaking something, even if it's secondhand from somebody you trusted, that ends up not being true. Yeah. So you run, you, you run the risk being a leaker of knowing that there's a high chance you get crapped on. That's true. I feel bad because there's been a lot of people saying that he's admitted to the fact that he's only doing it to even the odds out between the negative rumors of Xbox so, so that it feels like it's evening the playing field. I have not seen where he's done that. I think this is people just adding the stuff on the internet as is usual. All I'm going to say is this. Chill out on these next-gen rumors. It doesn't mean that you can't look at it and go, that'd be interesting and true, but don't put so much stock in them that you're just hateful, harassing other people. Also, for the leaker... Be a little more mindful about what you leak. Maybe you should make sure that you're educated on what it is before you do it. Because one of the responses was, I'm not educated enough on it to explain. I'm just passing on information I heard from someone else. And I think the better way to do that is if you have information that's been passed on to you, is to ex- have them explain in detail why that is so that if you are asked, you can say, again, from what I'm told, this, this, and this are the reason why. And there's there's no good response that starts with I'm not educated enough. Yeah, <laughs> but also kudos to him for at least trying well, to be honest. I think that's a fine response in most cases. Well, he was, and at least he was being honest about yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in an ideal world for him as a leaker, it's better to come he, from a position of having an idea about why that's he should have tried his best to educate himself and didn't phrase it that way. Yeah. Last one up here, next gen pricing and upgrades continue to be a big topic with Ubisoft having games priced lower for PS4 than the planned PS5 version, but including a free upgrade to the PS5 version if you buy the PS4 version. Uh, Kena Bridge of Spirits also was announced this week to be confirmed for a free upgrade to the PS5 version if you buy the PS4 release. And then lastly, the really big one they hit this week is on top of this, Remedy saw some pushback after announcing that the upcoming Control Ultimate Edition, which if you're not aware, is the base game plus the DLCs, will include a free upgrade to the PS5 and Xbox Series X version of the game, but that players who bought the exact same content, the base game and the season pass, which has actually cost more, would not be eligible for this upgrade. Yeah, but it's terrible. So this is where we are. There are people who are out there, and again, when you look at the two different groups of people and what they're expecting, there are people who are surprised that people are getting mad about an upgrade that probably should have been charged for anyway. Because regardless, it's an upgrade. But one of the weird things about where we are right now is that I stand very firmly on this. 
if they came out and said, hey, we'll have a control PS5 version, but you've got to pay for it, I'd say fine. You know, this is a normal market. That's fine. Maybe it's not the absolute best thing, but it's part of what you expect. But when you come out and put an arbitrary line in the sand, to me, the way for this to kind of work out would have been, hey, if you buy the Control Ultimate Edition, you get the game. If you own the game digitally on PS4 with the spirit uh, with the season pass, then we'll also give you the PS4 or the PS5 version. Yeah. The only people that would be a little bit shafted out there would be the PS4. And the reason I say that is because you could have bought the game secondhand. You could have bought the game and then traded it in. You may not even own the game anymore. So it makes less sense of them to give you an upgrade for a game they can't prove that you own. Yeah, and at the same time, like Watch Dogs 3 is charging $10 to upgrade. And people are like, $10? That's outrageous. Is it? No. Do you know like what the Watch Dogs 3 is going to look like on PS5 versus this upgrade? That gets in a weird spot, though, like a conspiracy theory. Are they actually not upgrading it as much as they could so that you buy it on PS5? But people also forget, go look at an Xbox 360 Ghost and then go look at Xbox One Ghost. It's a huge difference. tell me that difference. And tell me what a patch can do to bridge that difference because you're not going to bridge it fully. I think you can, but only because of the way backwards compatibility is being handled. I don't, this gen is the reason maybe, I say okay, that. Okay, yeah, maybe in that regard, sure. But I don't think that a patch could, could bridge something that much. Because you know what I think actually happens? is if you own the game and you have the disc in, it actually does what the Xbox Series X does, or the Xbox One X rather does right now, or the Xbox One for that matter, when it, matter, when it does backwards compatibility. I think what happens is the free upgrade is just you put in a PS4 disc, and then what it does is essentially downloads the PS5 version and then plays you the PS5 version. Again, because you have backwards compatibility built into the system. I doubt that would be the update, though, because the update would be the same size as the game fall. Yeah, that's what I mean. It would be, because look, people don't, you know, it's crazy. People don't even know that that's how 360 backwards compatibility works. They thought you put the game in and it's playing the disc. So people have been confused about what happens when you have multi-disc games. And why does it make you change the disc on 360, but doesn't make you change the disc on Xbox One? That's because you're not playing the game from the disc. You're playing the, you're playing a digital copy of the game. And that's exactly how they could go about doing this just replace your thing and have your disc be nothing more than a DRM check. Oh, he has the disc in. We can prove he has the PS4 version. Let's play the PS5 version that we have on the hard drive. That could be our community's take for this week. What do they, like, what, well, how's a good way to word this? What's a good way? Huh? I guess the best way for me to say is, how do you feel about next-gen upgrades? Should they be free or should they be charged? Because going back to something I said a few weeks ago, uh, actually probably a few months ago at this point is that I have a feeling that we'll see less remasters this coming gen more so than what we might see is people charging you some price, $10, whatever it be for to take your PS4 version of a game and give you enhancements that the PS5 can do. And if that's what we're going to see here, that may run into one of the ways that you think is best to handle it. You may think it's best to handle you buying the game completely from scratch up. You may think that there's a, that you deserve the free version and that there's a reason why you feel that way. How do you feel about next-gen upgrades of current-gen games and how they're going to be approached from a cost perspective? And you can let us know on our Twitter at TriangleSQRD or our Discord that we link in the description below, even in the YouTube comments if you really, really wanted to, or our Facebook page, Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. It's a good old group. Go join that. Thank you all for tuning in and listening to this show. As we know, as you know, we appreciate you very, 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 very much. If you enjoy the show be sure to leave us a rating good or bad don't care make sure that criticism is there and feel free to share with your friends and your family you know because that is the best sharing is caring and which we had happen this week good twitter did you really did we really yes good thank you guys sean i mean a bunch of people is rude cold 
Sean won Neo. We oh, had okay, Matt yeah, Green. yeah, that's yeah. true. I keep forgetting about those Twitter chains. Uh, Thank you guys, but we and we appreciate it every time we see it. It makes my day a little bit more better. And uh, if you want to get some cool custom cases every quarter of the year, as long as you've been subscribed to our Patreon for three months. <laughs> That's kind of a mouthful. Then it is. Go subscribe to our Patreon. That helps us with everything from the table you see here to these mics, the mic arms, everything that goes into production cost of this show. And not have, we, we haven't seen it in our pockets yet. Maybe <laughs> one day I could buy McChicken. Yeah. But until then, <laughs> thank you guys. And I'm going to leave you with Brett's sultry voice reading off all of our lovely Patreon members. Thank you. Thanks to our patrons, and I will forever forget to add stuff in. That bothers me. I'm so sorry, Eric. But Eric McAllister is going to be continue to be our first shout-out. From there, we have Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, My Name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarud, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Joshua Lago, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Brian... Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, and Tyler B. We appreciate all of you for helping us support the show. And if you would like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and be- consider becoming a patron for as little as a dollar per month. Thank you. <laughs>